Hey there, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. And as we begin this episode, let me just say Merry Christmas to you and to yours. I pray that you are having a wonderful Christmas season. And even if this Christmas season is hard or difficult or isn't all that you wish it was, my prayer is that Advent hope and Advent joy could be yours because of what Jesus has done. And that's really been the heart of this series that we've been in over the last several weeks. We're in our third week of our Advent series. So we've talked about hope. We've talked about joy. And on this episode, we are going to talk about peace. And the reality is peace is uh, just kind of part of the Christmas season. My wife has little signs that say peace in various places around the house that she's put up as part of the Christmas decorations. Uh, you hear Christmas songs that talk about peace and joy. And these themes of Advent uh, grow right out of the Christmas story in the Bible, and they've become sort of, sort of part of our social consciousness. So even those who don't hardly know anything about the Bible or God or Jesus or the true Christmas story, they still hear uh, words like joy and peace throughout the Christmas season. And peace is just one of those key things. And it comes right from the angel's announcement about the birth of Jesus. And so in the traditional Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, you have the shepherds out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the stillness of the night was interrupted by the sudden appearance of an angel making an announcement to this group of shepherds. And then all of a sudden, Luke 2 verse 13 says, all of a sudden there was, appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly army of angels, traditionally heavenly hosts, but it refers to host as sort of a military word. So this translation gets at that, this heavenly army of angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among people with whom he is pleased. And this theme of peace is central to the announcement of the birth of Jesus. Peace on earth, goodwill to men is oftentimes the way it's referred in traditional language, traditional wording. And that's nice, right? Like, wouldn't that be nice to have peace, like full peace? But... There's all sorts of stuff in this world that seem to, to get in the way of peace, to cause, if you will, unpeace, right? Just this very year, we have things like war going on in Israel and threatening to spread to other places in the Middle East. We have the ongoing war and conflict in the Ukraine. We have inflation that keeps going up and up and up. And in fact, in our own country here in the United States, uh, just this last uh, this last month, inflation went up more than they expected. Again, uh, so you have uh, uh, an election coming up next year and all the chaos that's going to go with that and the political infighting around that and um, the, the frustration and the discouragement of uh, just kind of the political system. You have threats of another worldwide destructive disease that keeps being reported in the news and whatever might come with that, more lockdowns, more whatever, right? And, and there's just all sorts of stuff all around the world that threatens peace and promises uh, chaos and heartache and brokenness and war. It's just unpeace. And beyond all that worldwide stuff, 
Um, we have the stuff of everyday life, struggling to make ends meet, or the kids just are fighting and not getting along, or some sort of serious terminal illness uh, is threatening the peace of your family, or drama in uh, the workplace wherever you work, or tension with extended family. There's just the stuff of everyday life that causes anxiety and worry and unpeace. In fact, um, my wife and I were watching a show the other night, and several commercials back-to-back -back, uh, came on, and my wife commented after one of the commercials, she said, just look at that, so much fear. Like, the commercials were just appealing to fear, uh, stoking the fires of fear, so much fear. And this is the world we live in. And so where in the world is this peace on earth, goodwill to men? And yet the reality is that peace was a huge part of the promise of the coming Messiah in the Hebrew Scriptures. One of the well-known passages about that comes from Isaiah chapter 61, and it reads like this. Let me read this to you, and then let's reflect on what's going on here and what peace means in the Bible. And so Isaiah 61 paints this picture of the coming king, the coming Messiah, and it reads like this, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord anointed me. In fact, that word anointed is the whole sense of Messiah. Messiah means anointed one. So the Lord anointed me to bring good news to the humble. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the cloak of praise instead of a disheartened spirit, so that they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, so that he may be glorified. Now, this, even though it doesn't use the word peace in this this promise of the coming king, the coming Messiah, this is a picture of peace. The word peace in the Bible, in Hebrew, shalom, in Greek, irene, the word peace in their thought world didn't just mean the absence of conflict. It actually meant the presence of wholeness, the presence of blessedness and well-being. It was to put everything back to proper working order and to eliminate all those things that were a cause of chaos and heartache and disorder in life and in the world. And that's what Isaiah 61 is promising. Um, it's bringing good news of great joy, good news of peace to the humble. It's going to bind up the brokenhearted. It's going to proclaim release to the captives, freedom to the prisoners. In other words, all these relationships that are broken and disordered in life are going to be put back to proper working order and shalom, peace will reign. That's the promise. And when Jesus comes on the scene and these angels announce peace on earth, it's these kinds of promises that they have in mind. And in fact, when Jesus uh, was full grown, beginning his ministry, Luke chapter 4, this is how he begins his ministry. He came into Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up to read. And the scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him, and he unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it's written, The Spirit 
of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. He quotes Isaiah 61. He is bringing shalom and order and fixing all things that are disordered in the world. And so when the angel sang, peace on earth, goodwill to men, this was the hope that all would be put back to proper working order. All that was out of whack would be straightened out and that shalom, peace, would prevail. And so Jesus came. He proclaimed peace. He said that's what he was doing. In fact, after he quotes that passage from Isaiah 61 there in Luke chapter 4, he says these words are being fulfilled in your hearing, in your presence. And yet, we still have plenty of things that are out of order, that are out of whack, that bring unpeace, as we just noted at the outset of this podcast. Uh, plenty of things that are contrary to peace. And so how in the world is it that he brought peace on earth goodwill to men. And once again, we're reminded of the tension that um, fills all of New Testament thinking, all of New Testament theology, all of the apostles' writings, and even here in this theme of peace throughout Jesus' own ministry. Uh, We are reminded that Jesus came into the world and with him The kingdom of God came. The kingdom of God is at hand. He's bringing God's kingdom into the world. And yet, we're still instructed by him to pray that God's kingdom will come and his will will be done fully and completely. And we're stuck in this tension between the kingdom being started, peace being brought, right? Peace on earth being initiated, and all that's wrong being dealt with and put right. That's been started, but it hasn't been completed There's still more. And this is the tension of New Testament thinking. This is the tension of where we live as God's people today. We live, if you're going to put X marks the spot, we live on the the timeline of God's salvation plans at that moment where God's work in Messiah Jesus has been begun, but God's work through Messiah Jesus has not been completed. And so we have this tension between what what scholars often call the already and not yet, or maybe better stated, the already and yet still more to come. And that's where we're at. And that's why we have this, this posture of waiting that we talked about in the very first Advent episode, where just like the Jews before Messiah came, they were watching and waiting and longing and hoping for those old poems and promises to be fulfilled. Well, We are in this unique position where we can look back and say, yes, yes, those promises and those prophecies and those uh, poems, they've been fulfilled and yet they haven't been fulfilled completely. And so we still exist in this posture of waiting and this tension between what God has begun in Jesus and what there's still yet to be done through Jesus. And so listen to these words of Jesus himself in John chapter 16 that have to do with this theme of peace. Jesus says, this is the very night before he's crucified. He knows what's coming the next morning. He's in the upper room with his apostles, and he's been trying to prepare them for this moment. And he says this to them, John 16, verse 33, these things I have spoken to you so that in me, that's important, in me, 
you may have peace. In me, you may have shalom. You may have uh, things being put to proper working order. You may have a sense of well-being and good order and favor from God. You may have peace. In me, you may have that. And then he says this, in the world, notice that contrast, in me, in the world, in me, you may have peace. In the world, he says, you have trouble, you have tribulation, you have difficulty, you have hardship, but take courage. I have overcome the world. This is the tension of where we live right now in the timeline of God's work in and through Jesus the Messiah. We live in this tension where we can be in Messiah and he has brought peace to our life, peace to us. There's a growing peace in his kingdom, in the realm where his will is done. And yet in the world, there's still trouble and trial and difficulty and affliction. And so we live in this, this world where there's plenty of things that threaten peace, war, and rumors of war, and uh, politics, and infighting, and uh, you know, finances, and inflation, and things that don't make sense, all sorts of things that threaten peace. In this world, you have trouble, and difficulty, and tribulation, and trial. You've got disease, and opposition, and whatever it is, you have tribulation. But in me, you can have peace. Why is that? Well, it has to do with what Jesus said at the very end of that verse. He says, take courage. I have overcome the world. Now, that's an interesting thing to say when Jesus is about the next morning. He's about to be executed. It sure looks like the world overcame him. It sure looks like the world was victorious over him. But we know the end of the story. Jesus rose again. And the violence of the world and the unpeace of the world cannot conquer him. Death itself is not even the end of the story for Jesus and for those in him. And so we have peace in this world marked by tribulation. We have peace, not because the world is totally right yet, but because we're in Jesus and Jesus is victorious over the world and he's promising us a world to come. And so if we have confidence in him and we're confident in his resurrection and therefore his victory over death and all the things wrong with the world, if we have confidence in that, even in the midst of this world, we can take courage and we can have peace. And it reminds us that here we are sitting in this position, waiting and watching, and we can have complete confidence that all, that the end of the story is going to be happily ever after, that all is going to turn out the way uh, God wants it to be, that his kingdom really will come and his will on earth really will be done. And thus we can have peace now and we can be unshaken, even when it doesn't make sense, uh, because we know the end of the story. So we read Revelation 21, the end of the story is a picture of peace. Look what it says, Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. And there is no longer any sea. And sea in the Bible and sea in ancient thinking represents chaos, right? Things that are against order, things that are for disorder. That's the point of this line. There is no longer any sea. There's no longer any chaos. There's no longer any realm of disorder. 
And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. More on that line in next week's podcast. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. What God always wanted and what humans were made for was for God to dwell in and among them. And so now God is pitching his tent. He's tabernacling among his people. The tabernacle of God is among people and he will dwell among them and they will be his people and God himself will be among them. And catch this, verse four, and he, listen to these words that speak of peace, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. Why? Because the first things have passed away. We can have peace in the present because Jesus won a victory in the past and we know everything's going to be fully and completely put right in the future. And so we live in this moment where we're in the world, but we're, we're also in Christ. And in Christ, the victory is guaranteed. In fact, Dallas Willard famously said that if we're in Christ, then the, the universe, the world, is a perfectly safe place for us to be. And that doesn't make sense until you stop and think about it. If we're in Christ, in me, you can have peace. Why? What's the worst that could happen to us? Well, we could die. And if we die, we go to be with God and wait for the day when there's a new heaven and a new earth and all is made right. And so in this world, you might have tribulation, but take courage, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. And so we live in this world with this full hope of peace. We can experience peace now and we await everything being put back to proper working order in the future. But even now, our relationship with God is right. And as we do God's will, our relationship with others can be made right. And there can be peace on earth for those on whom his favor rests. In other words, for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so, peace to you this Christmas season. May you find your peace, not in the fact that everything is right completely in the world just yet, but because you are right with God through Jesus Christ, because he's teaching you his wisdom and his ways, and he's bringing shalom and wholeness and blessedness to your life. And someday, he'll bring it completely to this world when he'll wipe away every tear, and there'll no longer be any mourning, crying, or pain because the first things have passed away. All right, Merry Christmas to you and yours. Thanks again for being part of the Bible and Life family. If you have been a supporter of the Bible and Life through this uh, year, 2023, thanks a ton for your support. It's only possible because of your generosity. So thanks a ton. May God bless you pour out his favor upon you. If you want to join the team of supporters, swing over to johnwhitaker.net, click the give button, and you can set up a one-time or recurring monthly donation right there. May God bless you. I look forward to talking with you again next week.